Welcome, my friends, to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am the Tomb's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Welcome back to the Tomb of Ideas, you happen in holiday tomb believers. My name, um, um, you okay there, James? I'm gonna have some more punch. Oh, we have punch. You want to fight? I'll punch <laughs> you. Okay, so um, James has clearly made some uh, some tomb brewed booze. For our, our annual holiday party. Christmas! <laughs> yeah. Because yes, this is our last episode before the holidays. Is it our last episode of 2020? It could very well be. Uh, calendars are hard. Well, and... Especially when they don't have candy in them. This is true. I made you an advent calendar. <laughs> it it's just comics. I mean that's most of what we have here is, is horror comics. It's all ghostwriter comics. Oh, thank you. I save the good ones for my advent calendar. But don't Master. tell Trey. <laughs> yes, Trey will never find out. Good. I think I might need to unwrap and, and exchange some, some gifts that I had planned. Gifts! See see how you like a full run of, of Morbius magazines. No. <laughs> Where's the copier? I gotta make some copies. <laughs> Hello, copier. Copier. We don't have a copier, James. This is a tomb. Is this the copier? No, it's Hellstrom Watch! Oh, good lord, there's so much going on in Hellstrom Watch this time. So much going on in Hellstrom Watch. So, unless you're living under a rock, and really that's not even an excuse, because we're in a tomb and we found out about this, but Disney had oh, their yeah. big investor conference this month. Yep. And I guess because... Somehow we were invited, even though we're not investors. <laughs> well, they, they broadcast a lot of it publicly, which is not normal, but I think it was because... All of the other big conventions, like D23 and the Comic-Cons and all that, all got cancelled, you know? And so I think they made all their announcements here. To be fair, I do have a little bit, of, a little plastic card that says I own Disney stock. Oh, so that's cool. Maybe I am an investor. <laughs> I'm not sure how investments work. Fair. Like, are my D&D books an investment? Because I've spent a lot of money on them. I mean... I think you could consider it like a personal investment. So when my wife complains about how much like I spend interest. on D&D books, I can say it's an investment. Sure, yes. That'll work well. Good luck with that. Um, so first, we got a bunch of trailers for things that we already know are coming, but it's nice to see a new look at them. Uh, starting with WandaVision, which is hitting Disney Plus on January 15th. And that trailer is really our best look so far at the world and premise of that show. Yeah, I was actually trying not to watch the trailer 
but then I watched the mm. whole investors video. <laughs> right, when they showed all the trailers. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of hard not to, but oh well. But it looks really good. Yes. Um, also, new trailer for Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is hitting Disney Plus on March 19th. And that one looks really good, too. That one, I think, looks the most like a Marvel movie of any of them. Yeah, it looks interesting. I mean, WandaVision looks weird, and I'm so excited yes. for it. Yes. But... I guess what I mean by... I guess what I mean by Falcon and Winter Soldier looking the most like a Marvel movie is it looks the most like a conventional action movie. Yeah. Like, like it's basically a buddy action movie turned into an episodic format. Although, the scene where they're walking side by side along the road, for some reason I get major Muppet movie vibes. Or, ooh, ooh, I can see. follow that bird. Yes. The Sesame Street movie. Follow that falcon? <laughs> oh, yes, excellent. Uh, which, it, interesting in terms of what we don't see in Falcon and Winter Soldier, in that we don't get really any new looks at U.S. Agent. Just the same, like, uh, football field halftime show thing that we already saw. Um, yes. And I don't think there was anything new with Zemo, even though we know he's in it and he's wearing his his more comics-accurate costume. I think they expect U.S. Agent to be a surprise, or... Mm. I don't know. I guess they, they don't want us to get used to him because they want him to be more jarring in the... Um, Narrative? I, I, yes. Yes. I also think they don't want us to know how he's being used in the story. Which is fair. Yeah. Because we don't really know. I mean, I can I can make some assumptions, but we don't really know. Yes. Which is fine. We don't need to know. Uh, right. Um, speaking of things that we need to know, uh, there's also a new trailer for Loki. Yeah! Which does not have a full release date yet, but is supposed to come out sometime in May. Is it May of 2021? I thought it was May 2022 or something. It is. I think it's 2021. Okay. Now, the thing I find interesting about Loki is they put a lot of effort into making Owen Wilson look like Mark Grunwald. <laughs> they, they definitely did. <laughs> like, a lot of effort. And he looks yes. a lot like Mark Grunwald. Yes. I mean... Uh, and, and also, they leaned really hard into, like... The Time Variance Authority stuff, which I did not expect from the trailer. Yeah, and part of the reason for that is because a character from the Time Variance Authority was created to be a tribute to Mark Grunwald. Right. Which is the character right. that Luke Wilson is playing. So... Owen Wilson. He looks like Mark Grunwald in the comics, so they made him look like the character from the comics. Right. Which means he looks like... So he looks like Mark Grunwald. <laughs> perhaps one of the greatest Marvel editors... Yeah. Ever, in my opinion. Um... I, I, the thing I love about Mark Grunewald is that he was such a continuity cop. Right. That they wrote him into the books as a continuity cop. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. I love uh, and And Loki, like WandaVision, looks very weird and very cool. Yes. And you're right, it is May 2021. Wow. And it's got... It looks like they're doing a lot of time jumping and reality jumping and... Loki might be D.B. Cooper, and it's just weird. Yeah, I didn't get the D.B. Cooper connection until other people pointed it out for me. Well, because he, when he jumps out of the plane, you see the money flying out of the briefcase. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, so, also, there is a new trailer for What If, oh, which God, is the I'm Disney so animated series. Oh, 
That's I supposed am so to hit. Looking forward to it. Yes, it's supposed to hit sometime summer 2021. That's my summer made. I mean, uh, and we might actually have to cover at least some episodes of it because that trailer leans hard into the Marvel Zombies episode. Mm, I don't. I mean, it is my hope they don't do Marvel Zombies. But I don't think they're doing a direct adaptation of the comic. But there is definitely a big chunk of that trailer that has zombie Captain America. Although, a Last Man on Earth scenario with Winter Soldier could be fun. It would be, yes. Um, And of course, uh, What If is also going to feature um, some of the final performances of Chadwick Boseman. um, Because he has, according to this thing, recorded multiple episodes. One of which is featured in the trailer in which uh, T'Challa is Star-Lord. Yes. Which... Itself should be interesting, but now that we're getting multiple episodes, uh, that's that's interesting as well. Yes. Um, also, there's not a trailer, but there was a short behind-the-scenes teaser video for Ms. Marvel, which is also scheduled for sometime in 2021. So much in 2021. I just I didn't realize all this is coming in 2021. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I figure that one will be late 2021. Yeah, yeah. And so, there's not wow. a lot to say about that one yet, except that, you know, the everyone involved seems very excited about it, and I don't know, I've not read as much Ms. Marvel as I should. Uh, I've, I've read a mm-hmm. few issues of her solo appearances, uh, some of the crossover stuff here and there, but just not a lot. But but generally, I think she's a cool character. I, I've, uh, yeah, I've, I've read very few things with her in it. I think I've read, when I was trying to read Secret Wars... I've read her Secret Wars issues. Yeah. And that's it. Um, and, and some of the stuff with uh, where she was in the, the Champions was good. Um, mm-hmm. Mark Mark Wade did Champions with uh, Ms. Marvel and Miles Morales and Amadeus Cho as the Totally Awesome Hulk and uh, Time Displaced Young Cyclops. And the more I describe this book, the more I realize how weird that team was. um but yeah so ms marvel that's happening also hawkeye is definitely a real show that is happening and will star jeremy renner and uh steinfeld as the hawkeyes hawkseye hawk people i don't know um we, we talked about this last episode but now it's definitely confirmed um also pizza dog is there for sure hmm a good boy's pizza dog. Yes, yes. And also, uh, Alakwa Cox has been cast as Maya Lopez, a.k.a. Echo. And Echo's a cool character. Uh, that That's a good addition to the MCU, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a bit surprised she isn't showing up in, say, like, a Daredevil project. Yes, but, but if I remember... down the road. If I remember, Echo was one of the first characters after... Clint to take on the Ronin identity. Yes, this is true. Although, and you don't have it in the Hellstrom Watch, which is surprising, but of course, there's also the rumor that Charlie Cox, uh, speaking of Daredevil, is joining Spider-Man 3. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of stuff swirling around that Spider-Man movie right now. Um, I, yes. And, and, and Charlie Cox was rumored way back when Far From Home first came out. Like, people were already saying, well, Spider-Man's going to need a lawyer. Yes. And and there was sort of the debate over whether it would be Matt Murdock or Jennifer uh, Waters. 
Walters. Walters, yes. Yeah. Uh, Which, why not both? Sure, sure. Although, honestly, I, I see it kind of as um, Matt Murdock is the defense lawyer and Jennifer, Jennifer Walters is the prosecutor. Right. Well, and, and that actually takes us into uh, that after some waffling earlier this year, Tatiana Maslany is now reconfirmed to be playing She-Hulk, who will be getting her own Disney Plus series sometime in 2022. Um, and uh, Feige describes yep. it as a legal drama with superheroes. Nice. And I would be okay with Charlie Cox showing up in that too. <laughs> yes, as would I. And um, But also in that show, uh, we now know that Mark Ruffalo will be appearing as Cousin Bruce. Yes. And Tim Roth is reprising the role of Abomination. Which is interesting because they've hinted that Abomination is still around. Yes. Throughout the MCU, like those Agent Coulson one shots. Yep. Yep. Because like um, General Ross tries to recruit Abomination for tries to get Abomination on the Avengers. Yep. Yep. And Coulson has to shut that down. Right. Right. And and also it, it's no longer formally canon, I guess. But Agents of Shield occasionally referred to Abomination as well. Yeah, it's not canon, but okay. It's, I mean, at this point, I think we can consider it a, a an alternate timeline. True. It, True. it is Another a Another tale timeline. of what if. Right, exactly. Uh-huh. Um, so, so looking forward to a tray. Yeah, it's going to be good. Um, oh. Also, Moon Knight is coming someday and will star someone. Who? That's really all they announced at the, the investor thing is that Moon Knight is happening and that there will be someone playing Moon Knight. So they did not announce Oscar Isaac. They did not. He is still rumored to be in negotiations, but nothing formal has been announced. Yeah. Um, but I'm still very excited. Just that, just that they have a logo and they keep bringing it up. Yes. Uh, this one and sort of surprised. I... Hmm? Well, this Go one ahead. sort of that surprised me. Uh, the uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn will uh, co-star in Secret Invasion. <sighs> You know, both of those actors are very good. Both of those actors are very good. And I don't think it's going to have much to do with the event comic, except that they're tracking down scrolls in hiding. Yes. Which is fine, I guess, because, oh my god, that crossover got exhausting. Yes. I. There are things in that crossover I like a lot. Um, Nick Fury's Secret Warriors was really good and came out of that. Um... You know, where he recruited a bunch of child soldiers to fight his war against the aliens. Always a good call, Nick. Um, I liked the... I think it was the... I think it was... If I'm remembering, Captain Britain and MI-13 basically launched out of that out of that event. Yeah, well, it was a cusp. Because we had to, you had the John Lennon scroll. Right, that's right. Um, the, but I liked the stuff that was happening in Britain. Yeah. Um, and... I feel like there was a queen lizard person joke in there somewhere. Probably. Probably. So, but, and, and just generally, the concept of Secret Invasion was very, like, Silver Age weird sci-fi kind of thing. I don't think they always pulled off that vibe as well as they could have, but I liked what it was going for, you know? Yeah. But overall, the event is not my favorite. No. To the point where we are still debating... Who's a freaking? Who was a freaking scroll? And when were they a scroll? And ugh. right. Um, but that that was the event that brought back uh, 
Hawkeye and Mockingbird, so that's something. Yeah. Anyway, they've also announced Dominique Thorne as has been cast as Riri Williams, aka Ironheart, which is eventually going to be on Disney Plus. Yeah, no release date for that one either, but nope. I figured it was only a matter of time before they introduced Ironheart in some capacity. I have literally never read anything of Ironheart, so... She's a good character. I, I like her. Okay. Um, and in the comics, uh, her AI is Tony. Like, her suit AI is Tony. Interesting. That, ooh. Okay. It'll be interesting to see if they get Robert Downey Jr. to come back to do it, to do... Like voice, voice cameos, that. yeah, yeah, that would uh, be kind of. But cool. yeah, she's her whole deal is she is like a teenager who has already figured out how to build Stark armor and reverse engineer Stark tech and that kind of stuff. Which could easily tie into the project that we're talking about next, right? Which is Don Cheadle will return as James Rhodes, aka War Machine, for Armor Wars. Yes, which is honestly... Add some reverb. Armor Wars. <laughs> I feel like we also need some of that like Transformers-style vocal distortion on that. <laughs> yes. It's just... Mm. I, and I've always... Been, I, I like Armor Wars and I like Armor Wars 2. Those are both solid, like, classic Marvel storylines. Oh, so good. Like that fight between Cap and Iron Man. and that. Well, mm-hmm. obviously we won't get that anymore because, you know... Right. Although we kind of did get that in Civil War, so I think right. we're good. Right. But we could maybe have, like, Don Cheadle fight U.S. Agent or something. I don't Ooh. know. <laughs> yeah, Battle we don't know pal- what's going to happen in Falcon Winter Soldier, right. so, you know. Battle of the Palette Swaps, you know. Yep. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, and personally, I think Armor Wars would be a great opportunity to bring back Sam Rockwell as Justin Hammer. Yeah. Fresh out of prison. Yeah. Um, maybe introduce another member of the Stain family. Yeah, because they did that in the comics around the time that the first Iron Man movie came out. Yep. Yeah. You got you had a kid for Obadiah Stain. Yeah, he had. I think there. I think there have been several at this point, but I think the most recent was was a, a daughter. Okay. But yeah, like the, that's the thing is that I also just remember. I also remember when the '90s Iron Man cartoon adapted Armor Wars <laughs> because because it was. Uh, an opportunity for them to give cameos to a bunch of Marvel characters that otherwise would not have shown up in anything, like Stingray. <laughs> I always liked Stingray. Of course you did. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's happening. Also, uh, in addition to writing and directing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, James Gunn is also going to write and direct a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special for 2022. Woohoo! So that Actually, should be really, woohoo! <laughs> like I am really excited for this. Yes, that that should be good. Um, uh, I, I, a holiday I, special through the lens of James Gunn is something I am definitely excited for. Yes, um, and also at some point there's going to be a series of uh, I presume animated shorts called "I Am Groot" featuring some version of Baby Groot, which who will com- compete for his title of cutest baby character. Um, baby Yoda's giving him a good run. Yep. Yep. It'll be interesting to see who will come out on top in that scenario. Indeed. Because, of course, we've not seen Teenage Yoda, but we've seen Teenage Groot. Right. So that's, um, that's speaking as a high school teen- teacher, Teenage Yoda scourge the earth. So. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's counting against them. Um, Blade is still happening for Disney Plus. Or I think that's going to be a movie. I think it's going to be a movie. Pretty sure they announced Blade as a movie. Okay. Uh, but that's going to happen at some point. Still with Mahershala Ali as Blade. Yep. Uh, Shang Chi is still happening. That's scheduled for theatrical release in July, twenty twenty one. Fingers. Fingers crossed. Right. There. The Eternals is happening in November 2021. Wait, when is Black Widow happening now? So, Black Widow is... Which we got a final trailer for uh, in this presentation. Uh, Disney has reaffirmed that it is going to be a theatrical release, and it will come out on May 7th. Okay. That's a very busy May. Yeah. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be like that year we got both the Mandalorian and um, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, well, and I feel like that's that could be part of why they're avoiding dropping it on Disney Plus, even as VOD, is they have so much else hitting Disney Plus right around that time. Yeah, I don't want to go to a theater though, Trey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I basically can't. So you know, I mean, we are stuck in a tomb. So right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so Black Widow, which the trailer I. I I had avoided watching it until right before we started recording, um, because I really didn't want to be spoiled on anything happening in it. But but it's a good trailer. Like it, it Black Widow looks like a fun movie. Um, you know what? Yeah, I'm not sure I've watched it. Oh, it, there's a lot of uh, Taskmaster footage. No, I don't think I've watched this. How did I miss seeing it? <laughs> I watched the investors video. How? Moving on. Yeah. So anyway. Um, Let's see, uh, where did we live? Uh, Christian Bale. Oh, yes, Christian Bale. Uh, we knew he was in Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, we yep. now know what character he's playing, and uh, it is not Hercules, as I hoped, um, but rather Sadness. Gore the God Butcher. Although we could see him kill Hercules in the first act <laughs> in the movie. This is true. Uh, and the God Butcher is a character from the recent Jason Aaron run of Thor, the the same run that introduced... Uh, Jane Foster as Thor. Yes. Um, and that's really all I know. I know people who... I know that that run is really, really good because people that I trust have said so. I just have never followed a Thor book ever. Yeah. It's, I would love to see... And I can't say his name. Um, as Hercules. Jason Manzukis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, for some reason, that just popped into my head as being perfect casting. Yeah. You know, if he got, if he got really built... Which, it, it's funny you mention him, because before they brought back the original actor, he was my pick for an MCU version of Jameson. <laughs> I mean, that's good, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, Gore the God Butcher. I don't know much about that character, but people that I trust about comic stuff say that that's good casting and that we should be excited. Okay. Um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. In addition to featuring the Good Doctor and Scarlet Witch and Wong, will also feature the return of Rachel McAdams as Christine Palmer from the first movie. Yep. And we will be getting the MCU debut of America Chavez. And correct me if I'm wrong, they did confirm that it ties into Spider-Man Three. I believe so. Yes. Uh, which I mean, yes. I would even if they didn't explicitly say that, it's safe to assume. It's safe to assume that like WandaVision... Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man 3 are going to be a loosely connected sort of trilogy. I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. That's 
it's nice that Sony and Disney are playing nice now. Yeah. Also, oh, that reminds me. This is also not on our list, but uh, it is. I, I saw an article just last night, I think, suggesting that Marvel and Sony have reached an agreement to extend their cooperation on Spider-Man beyond the next movie or so. Have they? That's what I saw. So, oh, within any time, that kind of stuff is is not confirmed. Take it with a grain of salt, but I take it as a positive that at least the talks are happening. Okay. So I'm, I'm mm, thank God for Tom Holland. I'm just you know, <laughs> everybody's like, oh shit, we made Tom cry. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's okay, Tom. We'll we'll keep working together. Please stop. Oh oh God, <laughs> so many fangirls going to kill us. Meanwhile, Tom is just like, why are mommy and daddy fighting? <laughs> it's because of you, Tom. It's because of you. <laughs> um, so, let's see. Captain Marvel 2 uh, has a director now. And it is a very exciting announcement because they have given the movie to Nia DaCosta. I've heard of her. She is doing the Candyman sequel that was supposed to come out this year until everything went to hell. Yeah. God damn, I forgot about the Candyman sequel. Right? Now it's coming out sometime in 2021. Ugh, Jesus Christ, 2021 is going to be a freaking loaded year. Yep. Also, Captain Marvel 2 will feature Ms. Marvel from the Disney Plus series in some capacity. Yep. yep. Which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it does. We have a title for the third Ant-Man movie. Yeah, we do. Uh, and it is... Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Woohoo! And that is a title that is second only to Multiverse of Madness in its awesomeness. Oh, it gets better. Oh, yes. Because it has now been confirmed that the villain in Quantumania is, in fact, the best Avengers villain, Kang the Conqueror. That's a bold statement. No, it isn't. <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> I mean... You're right. I mean, I when I think about, like, recurring major Avengers villains, like, he is the guy. I mean, he 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 obviously is the best villain because he was the main villain in the best Avengers comic ever. That weird palette slot <laughs> miniseries. <laughs> As a kid, I can't earn a day Excuse me. That, that run had a title, and that title was something stupid like the Terminatrix Imperative. <laughs> Sounds like Which, honestly, you pay, pay honestly, a lot of money for a lady to let her to yell at you. I would like to go ahead and throw out there that the next Avengers movie should be titled The Terminatrix Imperative. <laughs> Again, it sounds like you're paying a woman in leather a lot of money to yell at you. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, Quantum Mania, which we're headed into the quantum realm, I guess, which, uh, as we have established, involves time travel, which makes sense for introducing Kang. Yep. And the thing is, yeah. Kang is such a big character in Marvel that I feel like you can't just stop with him being the villain in an Ant-Man sequel. That this has to be building to something bigger. Definitely. Um, we, we're getting Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Which is good casting. Good casting. I've not seen Lovecraft Country yet, but... Um, I've not watched much of it, but he is very good. Uh, um, yeah. Also, um, 
we are getting Catherine Newton as our third casting for Cassie Lang. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I I, I think I see what they're doing there. Uh, probably, if I had to guess, Cassie Lang is going to take on some version of her superheroic identities. Yes. Um, whether that's stature or stinger or w- whatever, some combination yeah. of the two. Um, Ant and girl. they they probably wanted a slightly older actress for the action sequences and stuff because the the actress from Endgame was still in her teens, I think. Yes. Um, Catherine Newton, best known to our listeners perhaps from her roles on Supernatural mm-hmm. or um, the Vince Vaughn vehicle Freaky. Which I've still not seen, but I've heard very good things about. I've heard good things too. I just feel like it's a waste opportunity to have your sla- your slasher killer be Vince Vaughn <laughs> instead of some pros- prosthetic monstrosity. True. I, I I think they wanted someone with comedic chops to to do like the personality of the teen girl, I guess. Are you saying Kane Hodder doesn't have comedic chops? No, I'm not saying that because I do not want him to murder me in my sleep. <laughs> I mean, come on. Replace Vince Vaughn with Dave Batista. That would actually be far better, yes. They probably can't yes. afford Dave Batista. Whereas, when was the last time you saw a Vince Vaughn vehicle? Because um... I can tell you, the last time I saw a Vince Vaughn vehicle was Dodgeball. Wow. You were probably riding in a vehicle at the time. Was this like the te- the, the band bus <laughs> <laughs> situation here, Trey? Where, you know, they put on a movie on the band bus uh, so you're on the way to competition. <laughs> no, 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 no. The, that movie was Sylvester Stallone's <laughs> Over the Top. <laughs> uh, fun fact, the band bus is how I first saw Caddyshack, not Caddyshack, National Lampoon. <laughs> uh, no, excuse me, National Lampoon Animal House. Oh, that film has lots of nudity in it. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> Good job, band bus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And if you'd like to share what movies you saw on the band bus, please make sure to contact us at Tomb of Ideas <laughs> on Twitter. Because <laughs> I want to hear your band bus movies. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, try and get through the last of these real quick. Uh, Black <laughs> Panther 2 is still scheduled for release in theaters in 2022, and yep. they have affirmed that they are not recasting the role of T'Challa. Oh, uh, yeah. Um. Ooh, ooh. Um, we're getting a Fantastic Four movie. We are. That was their big surprise announcement right at the end of the the big event. Yeah, we are getting a Fantastic Four movie directed by John Watts. Yes. Who, of course, for anybody who was unaware, has been a director of the Sony Spider-Man movies. Yes. Featuring Tom Holland. Which, which could be part of why Marvel and Sony are extending their collaboration is now that John Watts has been brought into the, the Marvel fold, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that's going to be good. I, I am very excited to see who they cast for yeah. for Fantastic Four. I'm super, super excited. Yeah. Oh, and um, we do have one more quick announcement. Um, yeah, nothing, it is, it is huge. very sad news, maybe, depending on, well whether you actually watched it or not. <laughs> um, or perhaps not sad news if you watched it. Right. Uh, 
Um, Hulu has canceled Hellstrom. After one season. Um, I guess this is the end of Hellstrom Watch. I mean, I guess technically, technically, Hellstrom Watch isn't dead until we've actually watched all of Hellstrom. Oh, then it will never die. (laughs) 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 Hellstrom Watch and that Twinkie in my pantry are eternal. (laughs) It's interesting. People are sort of referring to this as the final nail in the coffin for the Marvel television era. Yes. Of Marvel Television existing separate from Marvel Studios. It's not yes. entirely true. There are still... The Modoc show is still coming, supposedly. Okay, fine. Like, technically, that show needs to get dumped on Hulu and also canceled in order for <laughs> Marvel Television to be over. Uh, I'd say poor Patton Oswalt, but he's not hurting right now. <laughs> he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll Although be fine. this is his second Marvel Television role. Uh, so he... he They've yet to put him in anything that's officially in the MCU, but he's been on Marvel Television twice. Um, Which is why I'm excited to announce here for the first time a Tomb of Ideas exclusive. Patton Oswalt will be playing Doctor Doom in the... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, there's a rumor, uh, and it's entirely a rumor, uh, but but supposedly one of the names in contention for Doctor Doom is uh, Giancarlo Esposito. He's... Is he Darth Gideon? Uh, Moff Gideon, yeah. Moff Gideon, sorry, Moff Gideon, yeah. Okay, I know names. <laughs> good on me. Uh, which, he's a good pick. He's good at playing villains. Um, I, I would also say maybe uh, Mads Mikkelsen, even though he's already been, um, oh, what's his name? The the villain who was mostly forgettable in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I mean, if it's, if he, if you're just seeing him in a mask, there's no reason not to cast. Like, that's the thing. Like, you, you maybe cast a younger actor for a flashback sequence. Mm-hmm. And then just have Mads Mikkelsen in the mask all the time. Yeah. But, anyway. Um, but, yeah, that and so that's pretty much it for a hugely stacked Hellstrom watch. Hugely. The, I would actually say giant-sized Hellstrom yes, watch. Uh, our last one of 2020. Yep. Which is appropriate because on this episode of The Tomb of Ideas, we are covering Giant Size Superheroes number one and Supernatural Thrillers number seven. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Supernatural Thrillers number seven Return of the Living Mummy. There are in our world. Certain places that seem to draw on the strange. Tragic news on this, the first day of school in Chillhaven, as a local teen has been found dead, under what authorities are describing as mysterious circumstances. The unusual. So sleeping is difficult, because I don't blink, so... Oh my god. The monstrous. (laughs) And then he vomits out his whole skeleton onto his desk. What?! And when you were a hip, young teen coming of age in one of these locations... So I'm, like, walking, trying to, like, subtly unzip my hair out of my backpack. (laughs) It doesn't matter if you are an aspiring scientific genius. What do they fluctuate, Zeke? 
molecules? A burgeoning telekinetic. I think you have telekinetic powers. That's so specific for you to say right now. Um. <laughs> or a social media influencer. Can he please just take his shirt off? Because that's he's got lunch on his shirt. Your safety is not guaranteed. So that is a complete failure. <laughs> Shit, what happens to my car? <laughs> In these dangerous times at Chillhaven High. Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the house. Not a creature was left living. His hands. Somebody cut off his hands. Silent Night, Bloody Night, starring Patrick O'Neill and Astrid Heron. Yeah, Butler wasn't kidding. Nobody's lived here for years. Don't laugh at me. I want your ID. Some maniac escaped from Margaretville. Would you like to drive there? Also starring John Carradine. Was the night before Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was left living. Silent Night, Bloody Night. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas. Our first comic for today is Supernatural Thrillers number 7, The Return of the Living Mummy. Cover date is June 1974. Writer is Steve Gerber. Art and inks by Val Merrick. Letters by John Costanza. Colors by Linda Lessman. And the editor is Roy Thomas. In Kantu, The Living Mummy awakens and bursts out of a shipping crate in the Egyptology wing of a New York museum. The undead creature stiffly walks through the corridors, confused by the familiar trappings, unlike the modern world he encountered in his previous appearance. Encountering a locked door, the mummy smashes through, drawing the attention of a nearby security guard. Terrified, the guard fires his pistol to no effect, and the mummy tosses him aside. As the mummy continues his slow march toward the museum entrance, the guard gathers his wits and telephones both the police and Dr. Carol Harder, the museum curator. Harder soon arrives with the mummy's discoverer, Dr. Scarab. After following the trail of damage back to the crate in the Egyptology wing, Scarab tells the other men the story of Inkantu's origins as the leader of a lost African tribe enslaved by the Egyptian pharaoh, whose punishment for rebellion was to be paralyzed and mummified alive. The archaeologist also tells them of the mummy's awakening and rampage in Cairo almost a year earlier during Supernatural Thrillers No. 5. Meanwhile, the living mummy wanders the streets, ultimately stopping to rest on a bench in Central Park. He wonders where he is, how much time has passed, and what has become of his homeland. He hears a woman cry out for help, and the mummy sets out to provide assistance and hopefully get some answers to his questions. He comes upon a woman being accosted by three men, 
all African-American, leading Inkantu to briefly wonder if he's already in his home country. He fights off the men, and in the chaos, the woman escapes. Inkantu muses that perhaps his bandages are what frightened her. He unwraps his hand and is shocked to see the withering and blistering caused by centuries of mummification. Two of the men Inkantu fought tell a police officer about the mummy, and he goes with backup to investigate. The mummy is quickly surrounded, and the cops open fire. Once again, the bullets have no effect, and the mummy strikes back. Inkantu breaks through their line and staggers away. The police give chase, but somehow, the mummy turns down a blind alley and disappears. So, there's some interesting racial politics in this comic. Yeah, the I will say, the the mummy encountering the the sort of assault in the park is maybe the clunkiest part of the whole story. It's trying to be woke. Yeah, in a very, like, mid-70s Marvel sort of way. Yes. Like, because that's the thing about this era of Marvel is it almost... The intentions are almost always good. Yes. But the execution is not always what it needs to be. Like, it's the we were kings and princes argument. Yeah, yeah. And look what they made us kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, it's a little weird coming from the pen of a of typewriter, I guess, of a white writer, in this case, Steve Gerber. Right. I admire the intentions. Yeah, yeah. And, and, well, there's a similar sort of good intentions, not always great execution sort of effect around this era with uh, with Luke Cage. Yes. I will say, I feel like Nkantu is perhaps our most rational of monsters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I mean, the, the his only real competition there is probably Frankenstein's monster. Yes. And even then, Frankenstein's monster... I mean, in both cases, I think, when they are pushed to an extreme, their anger gets the better of them. Yes. And in Inkantu's in case, we get the theory from Scarab that, that perhaps centuries of mummification drove him at least partially mad. Yes. Um, but we don't really get a whole lot of that in the characterization of the mummy this issue. No, and unlike some of our, most of our other monsters, he's not driven by some kind of hunger or right. um, need or thirst like, he say, Morbius is. Yeah, he just wants to go home, and he can't. So it's 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 sad. And, of course, we have the same sadness, I think, in Frankenstein's monster. Right. Except think, in that case, the, there's a more explicit desire for revenge. Yes. Now, we do have a potential adversary in the form of Scarab, who I'm still convinced is a huge baddie. I mean, yes, probably. Is going to be revealed to be a mustache really baddie, um, but it's not been revealed yet. Right. If we get that far, because as my understanding goes, we don't spend long with the living mummy. Right. Well, I think he is the star of supernatural thrillers, at least through the end of that book. Okay. Um, so we're on issue seven. Um, we've got eight more issues of supernatural thrillers. Oh, so plenty of time for Scarab to troll his must to grow a mustache and then troll it. <laughs> right. Uh, now, That's what good. what becomes of the living living mummy after that? I'm not really sure, but I know he's with supernatural thrillers through the end of that book. Okay. Um, 
and yeah, this is a perfectly fine like monster story. Um, the mummy, because we have the thought balloons, the characterization of the mummy feels substantially different from his debut. Yes, he's he is a fully rampaging monster in the the first issue, whereas here he's really only that for those first few pages. Yes, and then we start getting insight. I mean, we're always starting to get insight, but it's kind of a panicked insight. And right. then it starts to transition to, okay. And I just I just love that the moment of transition is the mummy sitting down on a park bench to collect his thoughts. Yes. I just, the, it, I just really enjoy the panel of the mummy, like, sitting on the park bench. <laughs> For some reason, that image amuses me. Yes. Yes, it does. And... We haven't talked much about the art here. Um, it's not, like, super memorable, but Merrick does a good job with it. Yeah. I don't it's... think it's as... I don't think it's as good as some of his Man-Thing work. No, it isn't. But it definitely gets the job done. It's atmospheric, and um, I I kind of find it amusing that we have, like, the one full eye on the mummy, where it kind of... It almost looks like one of those googly eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, his, his, his left eye is completely unbandaged, but the way they draw it, it makes it look a bit like a googly eye. It was like... Yeah. It, it, it's it's an interesting design. It's, it's, it's not quite the Universal Mummy. No. And it's not quite the Hammer Mummy. No. But I can see influences of both. Yes. Which is par for the course for a lot of the Marvel monsters who are adaptations of the more traditional monsters monster group. yeah yeah like, like they're, they're sort of doing pastiches of characters that people would recognize yes yes uh, which we're gonna which we'll see come to full fruition I think with um our coverage of manphibian oh yeah for sure um, one quick note just in terms of creative teams we mentioned Gerber and and Merrick um, this is Gerber's last issue on this book, I think, unless he comes back later. Um, okay. This book, this book, this book is about to become our first Tony Isabella ongoing. Oh my! Which we've only really seen him in bits and pieces of magazines. Yeah. That that that'll be interesting. Okay then. Uh, Merrick, I think, stays on the book a little longer, but but Gerber is out as of this issue. Okay. Which was he doing Daredevil at this point? I think he had taken over Daredevil for a while. Yeah, because he sh- Daredevil shows up a man thing. That's right, because that's that's the thing that sort of pulled him off of the monster books for a while. Yep. Yep. So so I mean uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I I personally am always sad to see Gerber leave a book. Yes. Yes. So I think <laughs> I think. Once our conversation kind of starts to sputter down like that, I think that does it for supernatural yeah. thrillers. W- w- would you say that that's a wrap on the mummy? We'll be right back, folks. I've got to beat Trey real quick. <laughs> go, 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 go to the commercial. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Push the button, Trey. <sighs> Hello, everyone. I'm Al Sedano, host of Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Over the last few years, this show has covered Adam's life, from his early appearances in Fantastic Four and Thor, to his run as Space Jesus on Counter-Earth. Now, 
we have made it midway through the 1970s and Jim Starlin's iconic run on the character. The Magus, Gamora, Pip the Troll, and Adam finally meeting Thanos. Speaking of Thanos, we haven't forgotten about him. We will soon be starting our coverage of Starlin's hardcover graphic novel, The Infinity Relativity, starring Thanos. So join me, along with my regular co-hosts, John Wilson and Brian Zeno, as well as others, on Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Found on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Resurrections Adam Warlock.tumblr.com. Are you hungry? Hungry as a gremlin? Here's gremlin cereal. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlins is a deliciously sweet, crunchy cereal that satisfies the hungry little gremlin. That's in all of us. Gremlins, gremlins, bite after bite. What a tasty way to satisfy a gremlin appetite. Gremlin cereal is part of this complete breakfast. Gremlin, yum yum. Hi, it's James. I've had some more punch. It's yummy. And Trey says, I gotta do a summary. So I'm gonna do a summary. Here we are with giant size superheroes featuring Spider-Man. Number one. And we got Spider-Man, he's swinging along and then the J. Jonah Jameson Jr. John Jameson, there we go, John Jameson um, sees him and he's got a fit because he's going to turn into Man Wolf again and it turns out that the reason he's turning into Man Wolf is he's being summoned by Morbius because apparently Morbius somewhere between his appearances in Vampire Tales and his appearances on Avengers in the Fear has turned full mustachy twirly villain on us and is controlling Man-Wolf for his own dark purposes. And that dark purpose is apparently to rob a university lab. But Spider-Man appears, as you somehow knew he would, and he fights Man-Wolf and Man-Wolf runs off into the trees. And then Spider-Man fights Morbius in the lab and Morbius gets pissed because they destroy all the shit in the lab. And Morbius flies away mad. But it turns out it was a trick. And they didn't destroy everything in the lab. There is, in fact, stuff still in the lab. It was spare stuff that they destroyed in the lab. And I'm going to go drink some coffee. Some black coffee. Trey? Yeah. This is kind of a like shaggy story like like there there's a there's a lot happening here that doesn't all entirely fit together <sighs> yeah Ooh, man this is strong coffee anyway <laughs> um it doesn't make a lot of sense like it is a morbius team up is, morbius is really out of character yeah it is a team up in search for a reason right morbius is extremely out of character here. He is full mustache twirly supervillain 
to a degree we have never seen him act before. He he referred to himself in the third person while monologuing at Spider-Man. <laughs> oh damn it! You've got me monologuing. Like like that's that's like Doctor Octopus territory right there. Yes, in fact, this is very much a Doctor Octopus. Like that was my exact thinking too. It feels like Doctor Octopus rather than Morbius. Yeah. He is completely out of character um, regarding his appearances of Vampire Tales or Avengers Into Fear. He's unrecognizable here. It's it's almost as though it's the version of Morbius from the last time he appeared in a Spider-Man comic, as though none of the other had ever happened. Exactly. This is exactly true. And it's a bit disappointing. Yeah. Also, he's way more conventional vampire than his other appearances. Yes. Like... It- at one point, in order to get Manwolf to obey him, he bites him. Yeah. So that he and can control uses, and, him. And uses vampiric mind control, which is not a thing I remember Morbius doing. No, no. I, if this was like, say, Dracula doing this, I'd be like, okay, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Total sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm for it. Like, he's acting like Dracula here. Yeah. And there's not really a clear reason for Manwolf to even be in this issue. <laughs> No, except for they wanted the cover with Morbius and Manwolf beating on Spider-Man, a scene that does not happen in this comic. Oh, that's what I guess that's the thing is like the Manwolf fight happens completely separate from what Morbius is up to. Yes, it's like Manwolf is there to be a distraction, but he's not really much of a distraction. Yeah, because he fights Spider-Man a little bit and then runs off into the woods, and we don't see him again. Right. And it is also funny that they say tune in again next issue when this is actually the first and only issue of Giant Size Superheroes, I believe. Yes. Where I think next next issue it is Giant Size Spider-Man, right? Uh, yes, yes. It, it's similar to the, the Giant Size Chillers where their initial title lasted for a single issue and then they decided we better just put the, the lead character on the cover. Yes. Which, okay... Let's talk about the cover, because yeah. the cover is the best artwork in the damn comic. Yes. Who was Because the, the rest of the was, comic... Was Kane, was Kane the cover artist? Maybe? Because this doesn't... I can't tell if that's Gil Kane or not. Um, um, according to Wiki, that is a Gil Kane cover. Well, it's Gil Kane on his game, because the rest of the book is hideous. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, but like... I mean, I'm not usually a fan of Gil Kane, but like that's mostly the way he draws faces. Mm-hmm. But I recognize that he does other things well. This book is not one of them. Like, there are points in this book where Manwolf has full-on dog derp face. Yes. Like, I own a husky, so I know exactly what dog derp face look like. But <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. How bad the art is in parts of this place, and that my only thinking is it was a rushed job. And there, there are so many close-ups looking up Peter Parker's nose. So many, so many. Which you, you can tell that Gil Kane designed Morbius because he's uh, all nose. He's all nose. Look straight into nostrils. <laughs> no matter what angle. No matter what angle. You can practically see brain. Then, like, his Morbius doesn't look right. How would you do a COVID test to Morbius? I, I feel like I feel like you'd have to give him the saliva test. That's dangerous. 
<laughs> going near you the doing near his mouth. <laughs> yeah, don't get near the things. That's bad. <laughs> Can vampires get COVID? Hold on, let um, me get Dr. Let me get Dr. Fauci on the line. <laughs> we need an expert opinion on this. Yes. But like like Morbius's first appearance in the issue, like his big like it's not quite a, a splash because it's not a full page, but it's 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 like a two thirds of the page panel. Like Morbius doesn't look right. His face is all wrong. How do you get the guy who invented Morbius and his face is wrong? Yes. All the faces are wrong here. Like, look at page 12, where... That's the one I'm looking at. Yeah, okay. The the man wolf face up at the top there is just... Yeah. He looks like a cat. He does. He does. He doesn't even look canine. He looks kitty. <laughs> yep. Honestly, he kind of looks like uh, when, when Beast became more cat-like. <sighs> and I think you and I both agree on that being not a great time for that character. No, it is the official position of Tomb of Ideas that cat beasts can go play in traffic. <laughs> yeah, no, I... Sorry, but... And, and Gil Kane, you know, there are plenty of comics that Gil Kane has done that I enjoy. Oh, this yeah. isn't one of them. <laughs> you no. Know. And like, neither he nor Conway are bringing their A-game on this issue. They're really not. I mean, it really feels like it was a team-up in search for a reason. Like, they, they designed the cover, and now it's like, write a cover, a story for this cover. Yeah. And um, it almost feels like... And, and when did this launch? Um, actually, you know what this feels like is a tryout for Supervillain Team-Up. Oh, that's interesting. Which, which I think comes next year. Okay. Because I guess Superhero Team-Up has been a great success. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. Because Supervillain Team-Up, I think, started as like, was it like a quarterly or, or bi-monthly? Or, it, was, it was irregular. Like, it wasn't like a monthly book. But I think it started sometime in the middle of 75. But like, it's just the, the artwork is disappointing. I much rather would have been gotten like say a Ross Andrew or mm. oh, a I John love Ramita. Ross Andrew's Spider Man. Yeah, that would have so much better here. Yeah. Um, as far as the story goes, it's like I mean, they they don't even show us them destroying all the lab equipment. Yeah, they just reference the lab equipment getting destroyed. That and that's that's a problem throughout the issue is you get people talking about things that happened instead of us seeing what happened. Yes. Like, you get a close-up of more... You get, like, little no-background um, depictions of Spider-Man and Morbius fighting. You get a close-up of Morbius saying, The equipment! You fool! You've destroyed it! And he leaves. Yep. You don't get a depiction of them destroying the equipment, which is a bit like... <clears throat> you remember comics right after 9-11? Yes. Where they're extremely reticent... To show any kind of property damage. Yep. Yep. Because everything is so fresh and still hurting. Yep. And it was such a weird time for comics. Right. It feels like that. It, it, it does, but without, like, a definable reason. Yeah. It's just... Except that, except that actually drawing things happen required more work than just putting in a caption box saying that it happened. Exactly, which is another reason I think this is... It's like, hey, Gil Kane, we need a giant size issue. When do you need it? Um, what are you doing this weekend? Right. Like, that's it. And, and uh, also, like, as far as subplots go, the whole 
Peter Parker being up for photographer of the year was such a nothing thing that if this had been in Amazing Spider-Man, that would have been like a recurring thing in the background for like five or six issues. Yes. Like building and building so that the disappointment at the end feels like something. Does he not get it? No, he doesn't. I completely missed Um, that part. At the end, yeah, at the very end, like literally like the last couple panels, Robbie is like, sorry, my congratulations were premature. And and Peter's like, it doesn't matter. Uh, I've got enough to be happy about. Basically that like being Spider-Man is its own reward. Hold on a second. Which which is like I don't have those pages. It is ep- it is epilogue two. So the final page has epilogue where he Peter tries to check in on John Jameson, and then uh, epilogue two is Robbie for like two panels. Cause the last part of this story for me is the professor saying goodbye to Spider-Man, saying God go with you, and with you, professor, you're all right. Yeah, there's one more page after that, and then it goes into the rose gallery for me. There's one more page after that. Oh, so they do actually explain what happens to the man-wolf. Well, I mean, sort of. Like, we don't see how he got from where he was to uh, to Jameson's house. Okay. Lovely. That's that's just... It still okay. just raises more questions, I think. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, okay. Um, but yeah, like, like wrapping up the, the photography award in two panels as a throwaway at the end of the issue feels like not what would have happened if this was a regular issue of Spider-Man. No. It's just like, what's the point? And that's sort of this whole issue, is what's the point? Like, it doesn't fit with anything happening with Morbius right now. Um, Like, even, like, the whole he's left a trail of victims across the country as he's made his way back to the East Coast just feels very off-brand, you know? Yes. It doesn't like, he, he references being down south. I'm like, when were you down south anywhere? You right. were in Los Angeles, and you were in Maine, and you were in Weird Cat World. Right, right. But So, I don't know. It's... For something that I promised wanted, to be... Yeah, exactly. I wanted to like this issue. I wanted to like it so much. And then you open it, and you're like, oh, they wanted you to want it. Mm-hmm. But there was no payoff on it. Right. It's it's and like it's like the first Alien vs. Well, it's like any of the Alien vs. Predator movies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just, and and you also just have to like I can't imagine how or why Manwolf's next appearance, let alone Morbius's next appearance, would even bother to reference any of this. Oh, I don't imagine it would. Just no reason to. It was basically like, hey, remember, Manwolf exists. Yep. But he's not a star god yet, so who cares? Right, right. But I guess so. I guess Manwolf will be showing up in Creatures on the Loose. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So he's he's gonna start appearing in Creatures on the Loose, which is I guess a reason for us to keep on reading Creatures on the Loose. But right, and and Morbius still has his two books. Yes, for some reason. But I guess that's the thing is like they had already announced Manwolf in Creatures on the Loose. And Morbius already had his two books. Like, I just, I'm not sure what the reason for featuring them in this would have been. The cover. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, man- I guess they just really wanted that, like, it's a vampire and a werewolf, but not really. It's 
it's Manwolf and Morbius beating up on uh, Spider-Man. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. But I guess if if I was launching in the '70s, if I was launching a giant-sized Spider-Man book, and I know that's not the title yet, but it will be, and Spider-Man's t- name is on the cover. Like if I yes. was launching a giant-sized Spider-Man book, I would be going with like I don't know, Doctor Octopus and the Rhino or something. You know. But this you could is tell the- this. Ex- you could tell this exact story with Doctor Octopus and the Rhino, and it would be the exact same story. The exact same story, except for the little beat with Jonah at the end. But right. even then, like, the only reason to do this is because Marvel horror is big at this time. True. And they want to do a book that kind of helps celebrate that. So yeah. there we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's a really disappointing issue, considering how excited we were for the issue in the first place. Yeah. It's... <clears throat> A little disappointing. Um, and, but also, I guess we're going to be continue. Like, we have to read at least the first issue of Giant Size Spider Man. Why? Because it's Spider Man and Dracula. God damn it. <laughs> and the bad thing is, I know why I'm saying god damn it. Because yeah. I've heard of this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the team-up that's not really a team-up. Yep. Um, yeah, but that, that might be... I think that's the only issue of giant Size Spider-Man we have to do for 1974. Okay. Um, eventually Man-Thing shows up later. But, but I, I guess, thankfully, based on the promise of this issue, we don't have to spend too much time in giant Size Spider-Man... <laughs> Uh, you can't see podcast listeners, but my fingers are crossed right now. Yeah. It's just... So, yeah, this was this was a rough one. I, and I think that's what's hardest, is... It's one thing for, like, Ghost Rider to not be good, because, like, that's, that's kind of the norm. Like, we are... It is more of a yeah. pleasant surprise when Ghost Rider is okay. But, like, when you yes. want a book to be good and it's not, that oh, makes yeah. it harder. When you're really looking forward to it, like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Yeah. Like, honestly, Supernatural Thrillers was the better book this episode. It was. It was. And and and, and Kantu was the far more interesting monster character than either of what we got yes. in Giant Size Superheroes. Because they they just leaned into making them supervillains. Yes. They leaned too well, far into making them supervillains. They leaned into making Morbius a supervillain, and Man-Wolf was mind-controlled the whole time. Like, we get zero insight into Morbius's motivation here. We, right. we, we, zero. He is, he is literally just the mustache twirly villain here. Well, not literally, he doesn't have a mustache, but still, he is the mustache twirly villain here. We don't get any insight into his motives, no internal monologue here. Well, the sympathetic character is supposed to be Man Wolf, but again, we barely get anything insightful with him. It's like just. Like, we get that opening, opening bit with John Jameson. But, like, as soon as the mind control sets in, like, they don't even bother to have him conscious on that final page. No. No. It's just... Mm. And and I can see a version of this story where Morbius is the misunderstood tragic antihero. Because all he really wants is to use that lab equipment to try and find a cure. Mm-hmm. But, for some reason, they abandoned 
all of the the tragic anti-hero pathos of his other appearances and and went full on I will kill anyone who gets in my way supervillain. Yep. Yep. Anyway, guys, I think that does it for this special holiday Christmas party uh, episode of Tomb of Ideas. That's right. We will be back in 2021. Woo! 2021! With... Bitches. Ep- uh, and in our next episode, we will be talking about Man-Thing number six, Ghost Rider number six, and Strange Tales number 174, which introduces another new character to our pantheon of Marvel monsters. Right, and that will close out June of 1974 for us, so something to look forward to. Yeah. So until then, while we're on our uh, winter solstice holiday break, uh, James, how can people get in touch with us? Uh, well, they can always reach us at our email address. That's tombofideas at gmail.com. You reach us on Twitter at tombofideas. And of course, we are on facebook.com slash tombofideas. So if you've got some downtime over the holidays, please, if you have thoughts on the show or questions or comments or cool images or fan art or anything like that get in touch with us let us know we will be happy to uh if it's something that you want on the air you know we maybe we'll put it on the air yep all right um and and just uh before we break just as a reminder we are proud members of the cinepunks podcasting group um that means you can find this episode and all of our back catalog on cinepunks.com. That's cinepunks with an X. Uh, they're in the process of doing a full update and, and redesign of the website, so uh, things may go down for a little bit over the holidays, but we should be back better than ever at the first of the year. Um, the update is and- just them getting rid of all our episodes. <laughs> Uh, but in addition to Tomb of Ideas, you can also find great shows like Black Sun Dispatches, uh, Cinema Smorgasbord, uh, Fat Girl Hacks, Horror Business, Weird Obscure, Possibly Unsafe, and more great stuff in addition to the cool articles and, and other prose pieces as well. So check out Cinepunks.com um, for all things movies, music, and pop culture. Right. And until next time... Trey, turn up that ambient party noise. I'm going to go get some more punch. Happy holidays, everyone. Punch. (laughs) Happy holidays. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast. Until next time, Tomb members, Excelsior. (laughs) Ha 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 ha